What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to uh, another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Greg Crayola Simpkins. He joins me via Skype from his studio in Southern California. We're also joined by special guest, uh, Miss Lola Gill, who is preparing to do a two-man show with Greg in um, Canada coming up on, the I think, the first weekend of June. Um, I'll have all that info up on the blog, of course. Um, we sit down and talk about Honky Kong, Mike Giant, Pasadena, Street Cred, The Vet, Jock vs. Nerd, Comfort Food, The Outside, Dirty Water, Secret Tricks, Lola Gill. Obviously, like I said, she joined us. Eve's LaRoche Gallery. I've worked on that enunciation. Who knows if it's right. Uh, shipping. Canada and escape with me. So as always make sure you go check out my website mikemaxwellart.com Click on the blog and you'll get all the links and information about each show and uh, all the downloads and all that stuff um, Haven't had too many donations coming in since the the live free raffle uh, Of course you can do that if you are so inclined and are enjoying the show and its content and want to um, Get involved somehow and help the show progress and move forward um, you're welcome to do that all the links are there on the blog for the PayPal of course the show is always free and uh, you could download it either from my website or iTunes make sure you uh, subscribe and download from iTunes and I'll the podcast will show up in in the charts over there a little disclaimer about the audio on this podcast I had uh, you stream the the interview so it went live um, and my laptop is usually is since I've been doing these Ustreams the laptop has been recording the audio and that's the the master track that ends up going to iTunes well today uh, the the GarageBand program froze up on me which it had recorded 20 minutes of the interview and because the application wasn't responding I didn't have an opportunity to save, so all of the original audio um, was out the door. So what I ended up having to do was mic up my computer and um, record the audio from right out of my speakers. So it's uh, it's not the cleanest of audios, uh, but if you want, if you'd rather, you can go to Ustream and watch the actual video and listen to the audio there. It's the same audio that I recorded, but if you rather listen to the podcast on your iPod or in the iTunes or what have you, um, I apologize for the uh, sort of weird sound on this one. But everything should be squared up next time. I'm not going to, um, well, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do, but I'll, I'll have it squared up next time. All right, but actually, but it's it's nice. The live Ustream actually worked flawlessly. I did the... Uh, conference call which is a only temporary thing you have to get the Skype premium account to be able to use this the conference call all the time but you can actually get like a, a day pass or a month pass or something so I think it's kind of cool to have multiple artists on especially if they're getting ready to do a show together so if I if I have that opportunity again in the future I'm definitely gonna um, make that happen so again I apologize for the the audio it's still clear enough to you should hear it it'll just have a, a funky sound this time but no big whoop so with all that said ladies and gentlemen without further ado 
Mr. Greg Crayola Simpkins, and also later we are joined by Miss Lola Gill. Simpkins, uh, I want to thank you for joining me today on this uh, this fine Wednesday. I guess we just we just shifted into the noon period. Yeah, right on. It's uh, good to talk to you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to sit down with me. I know uh, you're a super super busy guy. Ah, uh, who isn't? Everybody's busy. I know, right? Yeah, um, it's, it's cool. We actually this is we're sort of first this is our first meeting, I guess, in yeah. semi real life. Uh, We've, uh, we've talked on the interwebs a few times back and forth. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've been aware of you and your work for a long time, though, man. You, you kick ass. Your last show looked awesome, too. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, that's what I was going to bring up. I think um, the first time I became aware of your work was uh, when I was getting tattooed by uh, Mr. Honky Kong, Honky Kong Adam Hawthorne. I don't know, as I like to call him my, my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna love that. He'll get the kick out of that. But yeah, he's he's one of my uh, my favorite people in the world. That guy's awesome. Yeah, me too. I think he's a little mad at me right now. We had some internet um, arguing happening, <laughs> so I'm gonna have to bring him like a cake or something. Or just have a bunch of happy faces in your next tweet or something, and you're all good. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, but he had um he had a couple pieces of yours in his station that really like yeah. that blew me away in a in an environment that's full of uh, all sorts of stimuli you know what i mean oh yeah 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 and uh, you're a tattoo collector too right oh yeah i've got i've got a lot of tattoos um i don't know how many but um the one he did on me is one of my favorite i wanted a a mafia guy in a bunny suit so he did that on my leg it's kind of eh, i'm not gonna pull my hand leg up on, <laughs> <laughs> on skype but yeah it, it's pretty funny i I just I've always loved this style ever since we met. My buddy oh he introduced me to Gunner. I was about to say my buddy Gunner introduced me to him, but I actually met Adam, I think through MySpace way back in the day. So did you lose me? No no no, I was just uh, okay. looking at audio. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, I've known him for years and years and years. He's always been a big, big encouragement too, so get, That's uh, a super positive guy, totally talented. I think the first tattoo he did on me, we worked on my rib cage. And uh, it's, still, it's still not done. It's a big-ass tattoo. But we've done two, uh, three other ones since then. He's, he's tattooed me four times. Nice. Yeah, I'm trying to weasel a back piece out of him because I, I really just want more of his work. I just, especially all his new stuff is so good. I, I just love it. So. Right. You got um, my giant tattooed you, right? Yeah, I have a bunny snake on my right um, like shoulder down the bicep um, with some peonies. And some water and leaves. Uh, he had, I seen a flyer he drew a while back. It had a, a bunny snake on it, and I'm a collector of bunny stuff. So I was like, I have to have a bunny snake for my giant. Cause always he's huge influence. So I yeah, he's super to get that. He was just down here in San Diego. I guess he was uh, he was up in Pasadena too for that uh, show that just happened. That you. Well, I, I didn't get the full idea of what was going on over there. Was there like three separate shows happening at the museum or at the same yeah, time? There, yeah, the Clayton Brothers had a show, then the Street Credit Show, which I was a part of, and then there was the other one, I forget what it's called. And uh, they've been putting it together for like a year and a half or more than that, talking about it. And uh, it was Steve Grody was putting it together. And so I, I had that piece and I was like, yeah, let's put this piece in there. 
had it shipped from New York to the to the museum, and uh, I was stoked to be a part of it. They, they used it as banners on the street, so I got to drive down the street on Colorado and see my banners hanging out. I was pretty stoked. I felt like a little kid. Right. So I, I, I like that there. area of Pasadena over there. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of I don't get down there too often. That's actually down there is where Mike finished up my tattoo. Also, which is funny because he started it at Adams Station at Guru. And then he finished it up down there in Pasadena at the tattoo shop he was guest spotting at. Oh, that's why I got tattooed at both of those places too. Mike's been tattooing me for over over ten years. Wow, and, uh, that's cool. He uh we did so we worked on my sleeve. He's doing my whole left sleeve. And nice. uh, we worked on it in Adam Station when he was down a while ago. And yeah, that's then cool. uh that little spot up in Pasadena too. I got tattooed at. We did a long ass session there. I did like my nice. whole bicep. Wow, wow. And then I had to drive back to San Diego. Oh, that sucks, dude. Fucking balloon arm. It was like, uh, you know, like the the child swimmy, the floaties that the kids. Were <laughs> yeah, I know how that feels. Well, um, yeah. so I guess you got street cred then. Yeah, yeah. We were. I was in street cred. Um, no, I mean, you have, you have street cred? Wait, what? Do I have street cred? You actually cred? have street cred, right? I guess. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't consider myself to have street cred, but whatever people think, I don't know. Well, what, what did you takes. come up sort of in the graffiti scene? I mean, I think for people our age, it was it's a part of the a lot of our art scenes, regardless of, you know, it was in yeah. the foreground somewhere or background. Oh yeah, I totally was. Uh, in '92 is when I really got turned on to it, and I was already like, I was a junior going into senior high school, so I, I always feel like I got into it late. I can you know, as opposed to all the people that I came up with or grew up with, but I was drawing since I was a little kid, so everything I was doing kind of transferred into the graffiti stuff. Um, but I, I I came up with Crayola like in '93. I was also writing Crumb at the same time, so I would do like bombs, like Crumb bombs, but sign it Crayola. Just stupid. Like I don't know why I had two names. I I was such a toy from a, a suburban area of Torrance by the beach. Nobody knew what they were doing. I was riding with a bunch of skaters, but we were all trying to learn. And and I met this guy Circus from CBS. And he kind of took me under his wing and was schooling me on like how stuff should get done and and like the history of graffiti and stuff like that. I remember sitting in this house just looking at videos and magazines and books and just going, oh crap, there's like so much to this. And my eyes just got blown open and I, and I started taking it a lot more serious. Uh, but I so, guess the, the second I got into it or saw like Subway Art, I was in it, I, I was loving it. And I still love it. I don't get a pain as much as I used to like doing graffiti, but Whenever I do, I still want to focus on letters and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What uh, what kind of stuff were you getting into just prior to that sort of world opening up to you? Gosh, I, I guess it was probably like fantasy art and uh, cartoons, weird Salvador Dali stuff, Dr. Seuss, like comics. Like that was probably my world growing up. Like any kind of creative outlet. I remember drawing Woody Woodpecker and Popeye with the guys on TV. Like. Hey, let's draw Popeye. It's like, okay, I can do that. And so my parents encourage it and get all stoked. And I would draw G.I. Joe figures and mail them off to uh, like Hasbro or whoever was creating G.I. Joe and go, oh, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll make this one and then I'll see it out on the shelves. And of course I never saw anything. I'm like, oh they think I suck. But uh, <laughs> 
So you had that's that's funny. You sort of had some of those like uh, uh, art marketing things happening already in your head, like just figuring out ways to you know do commercial work to to continue it to continue that thing that you love doing anyway, right? Yeah. Without really knowing it, obviously. Yeah, I, I, it just it wasn't like conscious. I was just like, oh man, I can draw that. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna send it to them. But uh, I don't know. that's sort of what you do. Like, not you per se, but like a commercial artist. That's sort of what you do. You get a little portfolio. You send it to these companies, and maybe they hire yeah. you. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. And and the funny thing is, like, I always was creating stuff like that. So when it did come time to actually try to get jobs, I was I had stuff like, hey, here's the stuff I do. You know, maybe I get a job. I wasn't gonna be an artist per se. Like I was gonna be a veterinarian. Like growing up, like I took all kinds of classes. I was started like when I went to junior college, I went under pre-veterinary medicine. I was taking all these classes to go to like UC Davis or something. But it was like that same first freshman year of college, my art classes were. I was taking those, and my teachers were really encouraging me, like, "Oh man, you could really do this." I was like, "Nah." And then I got a really good job. Like with this project, I was gonna get like ten grand for like a, a couple of weeks worth of work doing pogs, and I was like, "You're not kidding me!" Like pogs, it's stupid, but they were acknowledging like we can make, you can, you know, make money with your artwork. You can have a career in this. And I was like, you know, maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree trying to be a vet and should like go towards art. So, and that way, I incorporate my love of animals into my art, and it all kind of. You know, holds together. Yeah, that, well, that that's what I was gonna bring up. Finding out about the the veterinarian type of aspect, like you, there's a real sense of um, of love for animals that comes through in the work that you make. There's like a um, they're put. I, I often see it. It feels like they're put up on a pedestal, almost like royalty, kind of. Maybe just in the imagery. Yeah, I I, I just know I'm fascinated by them. Always have been, and. And there's so much variety in them, like it never gets old to me. And like the things you can twist and morph with them, it's just like the ultimate creative outlet for me. Like, like people's like, why don't you do more figurative stuff? I'm like, oh, I do people. I love you know painting people, but for some reason, animals just really like they grab me. Like, I love painting them. Um, it's hard to describe or break it down. So you, so did you get through with school and decide? Oh hell with that! I'm just gonna run with the art thing. Like, what, yeah, at what point I, did you make that decision? Well, I stuck with school, I guess. I like when I turned 18. Also, I kind of hit this little, I guess you call it rebellious, or like stint of my life or something. Like, I was such a, a nerdy little scrawny kid. Like, even up through high school, I don't think I hit puberty and grew like with the rest of the guys until I was like 17. I was just like this little kid in high school like quiet you know i have these glasses my mom made me get that turned dark in the sun and so i had it's like total nerd that you can imagine like the only other kid in school that had those glasses was some special needs kid so they'd always call me him and like it was horrible like it was one of those like the jocks versus the nerds type thing i always felt growing up and when i finally like hit like my growth spurt or whatever you want to call it I kind of broke out of that uh, insecure stage of my life. Like when I was about 17 or 18, I just was like, ah, screw it. I'm sick of people like holding me down, just, you know, with the name calling or whatever. I'm going to take off and have my own like start. I'm going to be, you know, I'm an artist. I'm going to do graffiti. This is my new thing I'm going to do. I love it. And just 
kind of, I got into like punk music, like really hard. Like it was like hip hop for me up until like 91 or 92 until I started listening to Suicidal Tendencies and like, and then like Nirvana and stuff like that too. But like, and Minor Threat was huge for me. And then bam, I turned into this, I'm just going to listen to punk rock music and I'm going to spray paint walls. And that was my mentality going through college. And I got through college because I know my, my parents wanted me to and I really respect them. But I barely spent by college, got through my projects just as I knew what I was doing with art, but I made it through and got my bachelor's eventually from Long Beach State and uh, went on to get some jobs from there. But I was working the whole time. Like I did like some graphic work on graphics for like a uh, serial killer. It was some lame brand. They had like skateboard stuff, but it was like those t-shirts. See, it was like the train spotting shirts. At yeah, I remember them. Yeah, that was out here in El Segundo. So I did some graphics for them here and there. That's right. I picked up little gigs like that. but And then I did a lot of merchandise for different bands. Like all my friends were in bands. I had this band, Deviates. I did all their merchandise and album covers. Well, most of the album covers. And then uh, and there's other bands, Western Waste, 1208. I was in a band that sucked, so I didn't really have anything for them. But just uh, that was pretty much my, my whole college career was figuring ways to get out of school to go spray paint or go to the beach and then punk shows and that was it is that is that your pencil thing making that sound no you know what it's somebody doing uh the lawn outside i think okay i thought you were scribing or something (laughs) (laughs) um well there's something that i wanted to talk about let's let's talk about your your work that you're doing now um Something that I've always found interesting, and you know, it's the thing with the with the animal figures and stuff, is that there's like you there's an augmentation of familiar things into very unfamiliar circumstances, which is mm-hmm. often like kind of dreamlike a little bit in how we think how like we will find things that don't belong, but it makes perfect sense in like a dream state, and you have a, a real a real good. Um, ability of of making these thing these these things that shouldn't necessarily go together all of a sudden go together. Um, is that something that just has occurred naturally through doing the work, or is there something in that that you 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 looked for or that you try to implement? I think it's it's just feels like it's grown naturally into what that is because it used to be less surreal. I guess I'd say like like I I. I I consider like the more stuff starts morphing, it's becoming more surreal, more abstract in my head than when it starts off like, oh, here's like a field of rhinos perched on like a landscape. It's like, that is it. But when they start morphing and turning into the landscape and actually melting into it and elements of that growing off of them into other animals, that just becomes like, it's like an outlet of where can I go with this? Like, where's this arrow gonna take me, you know? like. And a lot of the elements that I'm pulling into there, like lately it's been a lot of porcelain, if that makes sense, like old grandma teacups and old couch references. I don't know if you know, there's a lot of couch parts in my work. Yeah, like the buttons. Very, yeah, the buttons almost the English. Buttons. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of that stuff, like the more I think about it, I keep, I keep getting drawn to it is stuff from my grandma's house and the stuff my mom collects from growing up. It's like, I call it comfort food, even though it's not food, but it makes me comfortable to paint it. Like it feels like, like a grounding, like home, like, you, you know, you're going deep into your head to 
it is like a dreamlike experience. A lot of these images I've dreamt up and woken up and started drawing them, but I tie it back down to reality with these like couch parts and porcelain items that I, I remember growing up and like the still life paintings that my grandparents would have in their house and stuff like that. So it, I don't know. Sorry, I keep bouncing my head around. My, uh, my yes. puppy dog woke up at four this morning and was, it was puking all over the yard. <sighs> oh, what's wrong? Eat chocolate? I don't know what he ate. He only puked up his, um, his dog food. So he had a little, I gave him a little piece of fish that I cooked yesterday, but mm. I, I don't know. I think that he had an upset stomach and then ate too much grass and it just, it just brought it all back up. He kept drinking water and kept puking the water up. Oh, that's not good. So I got to keep a slight eye on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, something about the work though that I wanted to talk to you in, for, on that point is that the, for me as a viewer, there becomes like a... a a singularity in the things that there's almost like a, a like the story is sort of telling me that like all these things are the same mm -hmm. you know like if I see uh, I think the image that was up before the podcast started has uh, an octopus that's a strawberry you yeah, know, a strawberry skin octopus and it told it it like fits perfectly like there's no there's no disconnect from is that a strawberry or an octopus it's clearly both of those things yeah exactly you know, and, like I totally, I know, like, everything does fit together in this. It, it, I basically paint to a world I call the outside. So anything that I paint makes sense in the outside. Like, like you know, consider it like Oz or Narnia or whatever, like, Wonderland. Like, mm -hmm. whatever other creative people have that they create into where the fantastic makes sense. It's kind of like where my head goes when I paint. And a lot of the paintings, if, they, if they're like a still life setting, are like observations of things that my my hero or whatever and i have that character the white knight but it's all like he's like kind of going through this world and these are the things he sees and like say you see the there's a different image of that strawberry octopus it's perched on this like coral reef with a teacup full of clouds and a cockatoo resting on it and like like all this stuff like put together like a still life with this big green jellyfish like trying to communicate with the cockatoo and that's just like something he sees he's observing as he's journeying through this world which is like a dreamlike world like I, I have i've written a lot on it like just for my personal self i have an ongoing like i write about this world and stuff that you can see and how it interacts it's like almost like a like i don't know a fantasy novel itself but it's not as well written as a novel <laughs> So, is that something you, you you enjoy doing is the writing process as well does it do you get some of the same rewards from doing that as just, as you get from the works themselves like making the paintings oh, i totally like when i am able to write like when i do get to sit down to write on some of this stuff it, it totally feels just as rewarding but i don't think it's as rewarding when i have friends read it i don't think they get it the same way i do when i write it yeah. it's just for me it's like a personal way that i have to express it like I was doing this painting called Puppet's Pathos. It's this big like whale, like goblin whale with this puppet sitting in its mouth writing a suicide letter. And it's basically like when I was painting it, I had to sit down and I wrote about 20 pages about what was going on. It was basically this puppet who was being forced by this, like this, I'll call her a witch, even though she's not a witch, to, to scare kids, to have nightmares so they could, this character I called a prophet, go and steal their dreams because they were collecting uh, 
like nightmares or whatever in a certain form. So, and this puppet didn't want to do it. So instead of scaring kids, he went and found a whale because the like like Pinocchio was eaten by the whale monstro. He heard those stories when he was younger and wanted to end his life by a whale so he wasn't forced to hurt kids. And I'm like, I'm like, ah, that story made sense to me when I was sitting there just looking at the painting. But written out, it sounds a lot more clear. That sounds kind of jumbled together and stupid. But. Well, you know, something that I think is interesting about that stuff is that, like, I, I often find that because we we paint in metaphor usually, you know, it's all it's all wrapped up a story wrapped up in imagery that's yeah. sort of uh, fantastical, or you know, in your case, and for writers they're able to sort of um, pass on information in a sort of clearer way. Even songwriters with having uh, lyrics that are still metaphorical and sort of personal, there's, yeah. it's almost easier sometimes for, I think, for a viewer or a listener to attach a personal experience to those things. Mm -hmm. And paintings, I think, are a little harder for people to do that. Although I think yeah. they do other things that, you know, writing and music and other things. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Like, you can get a whole image and picture from just reading a good writer, and, and it's like, bam, it's still in your head. But it's like, does a picture tell a story like as clear as that writer can tell a story? I don't think so. And like, sometimes like a good illustrator can do it. I don't go into these paintings trying to illustrate a story. It just the story in my head kind of pops out, I guess, when I'm painting it. I, it's weird. It's kind of backwards, I think. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, actually. There's a, we had a couple questions that came in from uh, uh -huh. from listeners. And this one almost sounds like a setup, but uh, Eric Whitman wants us to collaborate on something in the future. Okay. Maybe a drawing or something. Yeah, let's do it. Why not? All right. Um, and uh, also Charles Page wrote in and he had said in an interview somewhere you talked about um, some of your sort of painting tricks I guess or you know our tools of the trade to make the things do what we want them to do um, and he had mentioned uh, a dirty water method oh man that comes up so much really well I don't want to make you talk about that actually he just said that that That's was it? one thing I don't want to get, I don't want to make you talk about that then if it comes up all the time but oh no I'll, I'll clear maybe I can clear it up now I've tried to clear it up before that was a, a interview I did uh, years and years and years ago with a friend and we're kind of just joking around because I had this big like cup of dirty rinse water and it got cut up so it said yeah that's all I use is just dirty water no mediums that's it no clean water just dirty water and then everybody emails me like oh man so how does the dirty water make it work is it something where it breaks down I'm like no. That was a joke. Use clean water when you mix your paint. But uh, <laughs> it's kind of haunting me. It's like, I got to watch what I say. Yeah, but, that's strange. I used to actually yeah. have this cup that I had like a brown wash in that I would mm -hmm. continually just add a little bit of water to it as I would use it and as it would evaporate. And I kept yeah. the same cup of water, brown water, for I think almost a year with oh, just fill, without even having to cover it, just filling it back up when necessary. That it had just like the sediment at the bottom that just kept it alive and was like oh, this damn. nasty perfect brown water but um he also wanted to know if you do have any sort of um tricks because i think uh, he uses the word tr secret tricks but i don't i think tricks sounds a little devious 
But I think, yeah. you know, as, as you make so much work and spend so many hours doing something, you pick up little techniques of uh, ways to achieve a certain look that you're going for, you know? And some of those things I think come from accidents, like from just yep. experimenting, right? Or, um, yeah. or you learn them from somebody who passes something along. Is, it, is there something that you can think of in your processes along the way that has been something like that? I think it's exactly what you said. It's a lot of that happy accidents. I've made, I remember uh, like spraying a whole surface, trying to get a blend and like my paint had, my brush had white paint on it. And I had this whole background I was working on it, and then I got that white paint in the water and just like, oh crap, I can't get this off. I tried to brush it all off. I ended up fogging the whole background, which is how I started doing my atmospheric perspective stuff. I just like would work out whole backgrounds afterwards wet it down, dampen it, and then put little bits of like pigment or white and start brushing that through and it would cover nice and evenly. And I'd have this atmospheric pushback where I could build up on top of it afterwards. Like, okay, let that dry, build up some more color or information into the painting, let it dry, wet it, and then fog it again. And everything started pushing back into the atmosphere. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. Yeah. And I'd only use water too up until about three months ago, I've only used water in all my acrylic paintings. And three months ago, I was no color. And I'm like, all right, what's this like acrylic retarder? I'm gonna try this stuff. And uh, I'd seen some video recently, somebody showed me on the, Wyland has a show now where he paints whales right in front of you, uh, like in a half an hour. And I'm like, all right, I'll just, he was using it. I'm like, okay, it's not like it's the greatest paintings he's pulling out in 30 minutes, but it's still interesting how it was keeping the paint so wet and blendy forever where I'm like working like a maniac trying to get it while it's open. Mm -hmm. And so I got some as a retarder and I've tried it different ways, mixing it with water, mixing it with flow aid and have all these different formulas and it's working for me, like in getting big blends in my backgrounds. Like this last show, I did a lot of large paintings. And it really helped my, my blends instead of being like so washy, it's, it's, I'm really getting more wet to wet effect that I wasn't getting before. It's, it's, it's kind of opening my head to more of an oil painters feel. Sure. Cause that's a tough, that's, that's what's so difficult about acrylics is that you either have to be a really good colorist or you got to mm -hmm. figure out a way to blend really fast. And if you're doing a big painting, that's sort of, it dries too fast, especially as Southern California artists, right? Yeah, the weather, it's going to dry your paint out super quick. But that's also the beauty of it. It's like going from like graffiti where I was spray painting and everything, and it would dry pretty fast, to jumping into acrylics, it kind of felt the same. So I, I thought that transition made sense. But there is a, there's something about having it open and blending like that that's nice. Excuse me one second, Mike. <laughs> Come on, buddy. You got to get out of here. Come on. Is he throwing up? No. He's just okay. sitting under my desk. Like, pay attention to me. It's all right, puppy. Um, well, I think I covered most of what I wanted to talk to you about besides the upcoming show. Let's see. Uh, and I, I have a special guest lined up for a um, conference call here. I did my okay. first conference call yesterday, and it worked. Oh, that's um, awesome. So we're going to give this a shot. It, I'm not even going to pretend there's going to be any issues, but if there are, just bear with us okay. momentarily. I'm going, to, um, I'm going to switch over to a song while we get this set up real quick. Gotcha. I'll put, uh, I'm going to put your, uh, your image back up. So we'll be back.
I think they may even still hear us talk if we talk, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Wait, you keep popping okay. in and out, though. That was my fault. Let me see if I can get mics to come up. Uh, yours isn't coming up, my foot. No? There you are. We should all three be there. <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for joining us, Lola. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you guys are um, preparing for your your show in Quebec. I, I don't even want to. I think it's. I don't. Eve La, La Roche. I didn't even want to try to do the French on it. Eve La Roche. Eve La Roche. <laughs> oh, there you got the you got the you got the enunciation of it down over there. So um, the the show is called Escape with Me, right? Yes. Oh, oh shit! Oh darn it! Hold on one second, okay? My uh, god damn it! My uh, my laptop froze up while we were recording, which is what I'm recording the the audio on. That makes me sad. Well, it looks like this one's going to be a straight Ustream, and then I'm, maybe I think I'm going to have to re-record it. But, um, okay, enough of me and my my technical difficulties. There's always one little, with all this modern technology, there's always one little thing that just doesn't go right. But this has gone all perfect so far. So I guess i gotta I got to take my wins where they come, right? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the the show. You guys, uh, you want to talk a little bit about um, what's coming up? Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about it a little bit? Or do um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm actually. I I think my my biggest feeling is just elation from being finished <laughs> with getting all of the pieces done, and you know the lack of sleep that you and I have both been going through, and yeah, um, you know. I think the pieces are supposed to arrive today or tomorrow at the gallery. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I really have my fingers crossed because I always get nervous with this overseas shipping. Yeah, the, the shipping part was kind of like a nightmare when, when the, you have to consider trading and, and the time it takes to get there and customs. That was probably the biggest thing, our biggest fear going into this, Mike. It was uh, not, a, not a fun sure, thing to figure sure. out. Yeah. And there's a lot of cost involved at that. I, I don't know, you know, who's yeah. fitting the bill, but even just getting that all together, it's it's not fun to do no. shipping at all, packing and the whole routine. No, and then you have you have all this artwork that you're just hoping you arrive safely, you know, because yeah. if anything happens, you're out. Yeah, you're and out how long have you been? Babies. How long have yeah. you been working on the show? Uh, you know, oh, I was just thinking about that. I've been working about nine months pretty solid on this show. And, you know, I don't typically do big pieces, but for me, the work is much bigger, so it's more detail-oriented, and it was pretty tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've been working on it for, like, five or six, like, off and on, especially, like, I had other stuff in between, like, that in the show and stuff I had to, like, concentrate on, but I was always working on this one in the background when I'm working on other stuff, so... Are, uh, yeah, wild. Are you guys headed up there? Yeah. Yeah, we get to hang out out there. It's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Have you been out to? It's uh, Montreal, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. Montreal. Have you been out Have there you before? Been there? I've never been to Canada ever. 
naturally sort of evolving into the way years ago I imagined it to look but it's just because I'm self-taught I'm having to sort of work through things and learn new process and you know but I'm definitely trying to incorporate a new sense of realism into the work nice and I think I think something that's interesting about both your guys's work and why I think it will show together is that there's like this sense of um sweet and sort of uh evil like or maybe not maybe evil is the is the wrong word but um a sort of like there's a sweetness on the the exterior but there's a darkness that sort of lurks behind that if you if you go a little further um do you feel does that sort of fit your guys's personalities a little bit Are you saying we're sweet but dark inside? We're we're a little evil. <laughs> well, it, I'm trying to figure that out. I only I only see the sweet right now. I haven't dug deep enough yet. <laughs> Personality wise, anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I think I think that perception is probably based on the fact that our pieces are pretty symbolic and so it's it makes people curious and maybe it's the tones we're using or the setting that we're putting it in but um I don't know I guess it's just it's up to the viewer I've I've never really felt that there was a darkness mm. maybe more Dark. so just a curiosity that will could you know be perceived as darkness yeah you know and I think as a viewer I'm all I I, I find um contradiction really interesting like within a certain context not like mm-hmm. people who are contradictory, but you know, like, like words. Irony, right? What's that? Like irony. Like, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. And like, look, maybe I may go out like searching for those things, even like in the works that I'm looking at, like looking to find yeah. those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I've, I never, I've never considered like like trying to paint evil. Like, I just is it darkness? A lot of it just comes out of, from moods or like a history of something. You know, like. It's trying to get out of your head, like you remember some kind of feeling you got from something and you want to paint about it. I think years ago, I, I it seriously was a lot darker and 
like angry or whatever, like those right after high school things. Like, but it's it's really changed the more. I don't know. I don't hate the word whimsical, but like. I don't but know. it's suitable. It's suitable. Yeah. And, you're, and I'm probably, we're probably exactly the same. The work is also a therapy, so some of that might sort of come out. And whereas we see it as a release, people see it, they just gravitate towards it. Yeah, sure. Um, something that, you know, bringing up like the fantastical and these, these uh, like mystical sort of things, I was just talking to Damon Soul yesterday. And, uh, oh, that's right. We were talking about the, or a couple of days ago, I guess now, it was Sunday. My brain is not working properly. <laughs> uh, we were talking about the sort of fine line uh, among uh, sort of reaching meditative phases, like those therapeutic ideas of getting into work, and at the yeah. same time, like making sure not to shift into escapism, which uh -huh. I think is something that uh, socially we find around among uh, in art like around time periods where like society is sort of down, it's like a downtrodden time that uh, the, the more fantastical the artworks become in, in those sorts of time, you know, more, um, more surreal, more fantasy as opposed to like dealing with the day to day life. And even though I know that artists are making these works to, to sort of therapeutically deal with their own lives and, you know, whatever issues we all face in our own heads, um, do you think, from a viewer's perspective, that that fantasy level allows them to get into a sort of escapist mode to to get away from real life for a little while? Either yeah, one. Of yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard with with like one person interviewing two people. Yeah. I actually really, really, um, I find that very true. I think that's for me. That's kind of how. That's why I've been painting. From the beginning because like with Greg when I was young I mean I've always painted so when I was young it was you know to work out my issues but it's more to remind us that you know life is tough but we don't always want to think about that and so with the artwork on your walls you want to have that escape you want to have something that brings beauty to your life as opposed to a reminder of I mean I know so much artwork these days is about politics and world issues and, and granted that's amazing but it, for me, I think I focus more on just, you know, this fantasy world that people can definitely escape to and kind of forget about that while you're in your home and your sanctuary and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's what we kind of set out to do when we came up. This whole show was about that. Like, we were talking about why we paint, the idea of escaping and as therapy yeah. and through painting. Because you do hit that zone while you're painting and you get in that mode where it's just flowing and time's flowing by. and Next thing you know, it's like been six hours and you've just been living in this world in your head. And it's, but, and how does it relate to like the audience? Like at first I wasn't painting at all for my audience, just painting what's in my head. But in that, that, you know, me doing that, it did affect people because they told me like, wow, I totally connected with this piece and it's taken me to this other place. And I totally love it for that reason. And I, and just having that interaction with somebody looking at, at one of my paintings has been really gratifying. Like, I, I still don't like purposely like paint for the audience. I paint for myself, but knowing that interaction, it, it's kind of comforting that other people are getting excited and getting to go to these worlds, even if it's you know just a little bit like of what's going on. Like they understand and can grasp a little bit of what I'm trying to get across. 
Sure. I, um, it's exciting. I talk about that a lot, that really making these works is a, uh, it's a, almost a selfish process. It sounds sort of yeah. mean, but it is a, it is a first gratifying yourself in the working process. And then what happens after that, you know, you, we just want people to have their own experience with it and sort of relate to something, at least from my perspective, relate to something mm -hmm. that I related to in some fashion or another, you know, some sort of emotion or feeling or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Um, totally. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, let's, uh, let's plug your guys's, your, your guys's, uh, websites and all the information so that people can, uh, find out all the good stuff. You want to gotcha. go first, Greg? Okay, yeah. Um, well, my website's imscared.com. That's I-M-S-C-A-R-E-D. And that's just because gregsimpkins.com was taken. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the, the, our show is uh, Escape With Me at Yves La Roche in Montreal on uh, June 8th. And if you have any Canadian listeners, you guys should come out if you're in the area. It should be a good time. Yeah, for sure. And we'll, get, we'll definitely get all that up on the blog. And uh, Ms. Lola? Yes, um, I'm just Lola at I'm lolafineart.com. Awesome. Pretty easy, I think. <laughs> and uh, thank you for joining us. I, I know this was sort of almost last minute, kind of, to, to get the, the yeah, special guest. Yeah, it's great. It'd be good to have awesome. you on for a, a full show as well. Beautiful. Maybe, we, maybe when you get back from, from good old Canada. Word. All right, guys. Well, let's um, let's do internet that. Can you okay, see I can't even see you, Mike. You but can't see me. Just tap oh, the right. camera. Oh. No, you know it'll happen. There we go. Boom. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. Right, Have a good day. Okay. When I first got into magic, it was an underground phenomenon. Now everybody's like, pick a card, any card. I shot my full load with the first hand I played. I'd be a monkey in a box hanging with the David Blaines. I'd be swimming with the sharks, mouths full of razor blades. But I'm not, I got out of that game, escape artist. I talk till I'm red in my face with strain polyps. I'll rock till I'm out of my range and raise octaves. I play through the pain and remain conscious, refraining from commenting on the lame compliments and the petty criticisms from those who ain't accomplished. Even one fifth of some of the shit I made progress with. I'm leaving naysayers stumped like rainforest. After years of pulling rabbit ears out my pants pockets I'm not revealing any tricks or trades Just there ain't no magic in the breakdown, baby Nothing to make them all see what I find in my life I decided to give them a look None of them give it a glimpse And I guess that I'm sitting in the middle of an unread book Letters are falling apart But the sentence the sand And the rolling and the wording is prominent and never permiss Sentence for miss, word it a miss Interpret it is Funny and serving a sentence of solitary confinement Results in a death sentence Still I'm a running assignment I'm just wondering where my time went It pulled a disappearing act And every single assistant I ever had got sorted paid attention, but I can't afford to laugh Cause I'm looking for my break and an autograph for my cast But I'm short on staff, so all I ask is volunteers in the crowd Show a little bit of audience participation now When I say hip, you, you say shut the fuck up, we ain't saying shit And I respect it, check it, get a flair for the dramatic exit A fashionable entrance late to my own arraignment Oh, the self-destructive things that I do for entertainment My folks gave me this heart, your broken heart is my palate While I was out honing my craft, you was disowning your talent
silent That's why you still live at home And I bought this house off my parents I'm getting ahead of myself I see the hair on my back I'm on the road reading Kerouac It's poems versus better raps I think to myself What's worth remembering versus defending The size of my manhood or confessional canned goods Relationships. I clip your wings to fit you in, head shrinking magician, shape shifting reptilian, turn body contortionist, orphanages started offering torches to abortion clinics, abortion I lost clinics. acquaintances and a morgue of lady friends, agenda bent the heaven sight, angelic devil boy, God's androgynous, I'm looking marvelous, what looks can kill, they're unsure about my sexual orientation still, put me in a special kind of case that only breaks if you hit it with a bouquet of flowers and baby breath arrangements, the vault is vacant, they're all looking for photo blame, I call my agent, the moment that I caught the train I let him know I'm going nowhere He's invited If he leaves tonight Then he just might help me find it But this is my burden to bear Not his And I'm a sidekick Without a sidekick Holding the future hostage A loose cannon Standing on the rooftop With a new respect And understanding Of bartenders and locksmiths They call me daredevil But I'm not precise enough Unprofessional On an amateur level I love my life too much Escape artist I'm never falling in love with you.